Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Speak Out Loud podcast. We are so glad you're listening in today. We can't thank you enough for uh, joining us again and being yep. part of what's now season four, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy that uh, we're already into our fourth season, but we are really excited you're here with us today. We have a dear friend, special mm-hmm. guest, somebody that we have known for, I don't know if we should say how many years. We should say just because that's impressive, the number of years. We're all a very youthful part of this, but um, we've known Brenda for 32 years now. So yes. I think um, <laughs> I can't believe the fall it. of all of our freshman years of college, we became fast friends. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just think it's the Lord's blessing after all this time that he still brings us back together. Brenda's a blessing to our life yeah. and a blessing to so many others. Mm-hmm. So, Brenda, we are excited. We welcome you to the Speak Out Loud podcast. And thanks for joining us again. Yes. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. It's like just to kind of welcome you with kind of a little bit of past um, memories. Uh, Brenda was not just friends with me, like Doug was saying. Her and Doug were friends, and that was so fun. Um, So much of the time, there's somebody that's friends with either or, and I love this so much. Brenda was, uh, didn't you, weren't you a cheerleader at DBU? Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) And uh, I mean, just more fun to be around. She's so smart. And I remember being in classes with you, Brenda, and you always just really being super, super interested, especially going towards the psychology area. And I'm so thankful that God has helped you become Dr. Um, Brenda Elledge. Now, that's just a huge accomplishment. I think it's the survival of the fittest. Yeah. (laughs) One thing about Brenda, one of the many things is that we can come and do a podcast together or see each other at DBU for something. And I feel like we can pick back up where we left off. And, you know, I feel like it's sometimes harder and harder to do that because of how um, complicated life has gotten. And we feel like sometimes there's been so much space that can happen between seeing each other and everything. But I'm just so thankful that we can just call you, Brenda, and we know that you'll give us your one million percent and that um, that you're just still in our lives and we get to be in yours. So, so very thankful for that. You're diligent. And one of the many things that we so appreciate is that you are such a great support and encouragement for Speak Out Loud. Um, Definitely. We do interview some people who are new to Speak Out Loud, but we feel like you've been on this journey with us for quite a while and we just really appreciate it. Well, Brenda, you gave Stacy and I actually one of our earliest opportunities. Well, mm-hmm. I can't remember. It, it was pre-pandemic, so it's hard to kind of remember how many yeah. years exactly it was. But uh, you were hosting Sunday night events at a coffee shop there in your hometown, and you invited Stacy to come talk about her book, and I got to share a little bit too. And that was a really special occasion. Oh my goodness, so. that was so great. That was still that was our best attended, you know, I mean, you guys brought a whole lot of fans with you for sure, but it was our best attended. It was a great night. I love that. I, I, you know, I have hopes of doing that again, um, but it was wonderful. And when I do it again, I'll have y'all back again. That's All right. Sure. Thank you. Well, we'll be there. We'll Thank come. you. Also, it was my first experience to get to speak with professionals. I have since gotten to go back to where I was in treatment and everything and get to speak to doctors and therapists and all that. Um, but that was so, I could just keep looking at you, Brenda, and just knowing, okay, keep going, keep going, because everybody was so gracious and kind to 
to really just let me as a person who does struggle and, and really suffer from this every day, come in from just a layman's point of view and just go, I know y'all are all professionals. So thank you for welcoming me into your space. And then just being so kind. I don't know. It's just always been a good, good thing to get to be with you. So I wanted to ask you, Brenda, if you would like to share some things about yourself, your family, you got those three boys, your practice, just whatever. You can take it any direction you want. Yeah. Um, so I do have the three boys, um, 23, 20. I have to stop and think. This is terrible, but numbers are not my thing. So 23, <laughs> 20, and 16. And uh, my husband and I, he's the one that keeps track of how long we've been married. <laughs> I think it's 27. Wow. So, um, okay. yeah, I think it is. But <laughs> um, really thankful um, for whatever amount of years it's been. Uh-huh. Um, so, Brenda, hey, would you talk to us about um, some specifics, I guess, about your private practice? Okay, yeah. So, I am um, a little bit south of Dallas. Um, so, for people who are listening in this area, I'm in the Ellis County area. So several, oh, see numbers again. I'm going to say many, many years ago, <laughs> galaxy far, far away. Um, after I finished my initial licensing, I just, I felt like um, there was a need down in this area and, and there really still is in, in our area for mental health services. Um, and I went to my church and I said, you know, hey, I think that I started with the premarital counseling. And I said, I think that this is something you should do. You know, I went to my pastor and he said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. So do it. And, I, and that's, <laughs> you know, how that goes in churches. And so I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'll start doing that. And then it just grew to beyond premarital into other counseling needs. And so then that blossomed to a time where it just became um, a practice outside of the church. Right. But we have most of our referrals came from many, many years ago from churches, pastors, churches, people who mm-hmm. wanted to have their faith integrated with their counseling. And, and that's what we do. And if, if people want that, I, I'm sorry, right. most of our people do, but not everybody does. But, but a lot of people find us because they do want to integrate their faith um, sure. in their sessions. And so we love being able to do that when it's something people want. We see children, adolescents, um, adults, couples, and we are able to offer sessions at a, a lower rate than, than some professionals because of our partnership with churches now. Um, I didn't create this model. It, it was a model I had known about before in my own internship mm-hmm. of using pastors' offices when they're not there. Um, evenings and weekends. Um, and because we don't have to worry about office overhead, we're able to then make sure our session cost is lower for individuals. And it's such a blessing. And, and also our partnership with local universities, being able to give graduate students a place to do their internships and then other people who have already graduated, but then they also need their additional internship. So we have lower lower, lower costs mm-hmm. for sessions because of having those students involved. And, sure. and I love that. And it's such an amazing way to be able to say to anybody, we try our best to make sure anybody can afford counseling. Yeah. Sure. And the last time we talked with you on a podcast recording, at least, you were wrapping up your doctorate degree. Yes. 
in, and correct me if the name is uh, counselor or therapist management. What was the name of the, uh, what's the degree actually in? Yeah, counselor education and supervision. There you go. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, so it's, right. it's a wonderful way that just uh, combines what I like to do, which is provide a place for people to be educated as counselors and then supervise them in the process of that. So I'm very grateful oh, for it. I yeah. love how specified it can be now yeah. so that you can really feel like you're using your giftings and everything. So that's awesome, Brenda. We're so thankful and yeah, proud of you all the above. <laughs> thank you. But uh, thank you for explaining that because a lot of people haven't really heard of that type of model. And so to know that that's available, um, hopefully anybody who's listening would be able to benefit from that. Well, all right, Dr. Brenda Elledge, thank you for joining us. And we are thrilled you are here. And and we're going to jump into some questions that okay. we had for you. And uh, we'd love to just get some discussion going around this and look forward to, to the guidance and encouragement you have to share. So as I referenced earlier, uh, Brenda was a guest on the Speak Out Loud podcast about a year ago, so in the fall of 2021. And if you're going back, it was Speak Out Loud or SOL episode number 17. And our topic that day was, it's okay to get help. So Brenda, I thought, had some great advice and it's just in guidance and mm-hmm. encouragement about seeking out counseling, seeking out therapy, some very practical tools, practical steps for that. So if you've not listened to that before, we'd love for you to go back and check yeah. that out also. Mm-hmm. I think there's some great encouragement in there. Mm-hmm. And we asked Brenda today to come on and talk to us. And I'm sure there could be some things that, that are, you know, crossover from our last interview with you. But, um, you know, what are some things that people can do to prioritize and improve their mental health? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want to talk about today and uh, look forward to just getting into that discussion with you. So first off, before and as we get into that discussion... I thought it might be helpful to understand and hear from you, Brenda, on this. You know, what is it what is it meant when we say and use the phrases mental health and mental illness? You know, what are maybe the differences between those two terms and what are the crossovers? What are the similarities? And I ask that knowing that a lot of times on the Speak Out Loud podcast, we, we utilize both. both those phrases. Yeah. And know? I don't know yeah. if we should. Our mission yeah. statement is we're here to help bring hope and encouragement for those who struggle with mental health, with mental illness, um, and for those who love and support them. And so Mm -hmm. that's our focus. But we use those terms a little bit interchangeably, knowing that we want to kind of capture everybody. From your mindset, how would you say they're similar, but also how would you differentiate between the two? Yeah. I mean, I think the way you guys use it makes a lot of sense. And and it does make it accessible to so many people. When I think about mental health, I, I use it very similarly in the way that I talk about somebody's physical health, right? Like, you know, how you doing? How's your health? Well, they might say, doing great. You know, everything's working the way it should. Or they might say, oh, gosh, yeah, I'm really struggling. You know, my knee's acting up or you know, I'm having a little trouble with my stomach, right? So that means their their physical health isn't doing so well. So there's times our mental health might be uh, doing really well and we're feeling really great. And then there might be times we are struggling with mental health. And so I think that's why your word, uh, you know, and the way you guys phrase it, it works perfectly. Mental health is really talking, because again, that physical, that differentiation from physical, mental health is talking about, you know, emotionally, how are we doing? Psychologically, how are we doing? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that might also play in it with some of the social aspects of our life. Whereas mental illness is really going to be more specified because 
there is a struggle. There is a difficulty there. And it has come to such a point that we're really seeing some more serious impacts with behavior, with mood, with cognition, you know, how we're thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's moved into a more serious realm. It's moved into where we're having more often than not those symptoms and those struggles, those aspects. And, you know, for us in the field, you know, there is a, a specific set of symptoms that we're looking for and how mm-hmm. often and how much and how long, you know, so that's when we move into diagnosing something because there's very strict guidelines for, for meeting that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And that's when right. we're thinking about things like an anxiety disorder or a depressive disorder or an eating right. disorder or an addiction, you know, we're moving into that realm. So if we're thinking about a continuum, it's going to be as much more severe and we're looking at it really impacting daily functioning, daily life, relationships. It's mm-hmm. really making a serious impact. We're, we're all going to struggle at times with our mental health. We're all going to have some days that, that stress is getting to us or there's really serious things in life that are compromising some of how we're functioning. So we're all going to have some mental health struggles at times, but it's going to be more severe and more long lasting when we're moving into where we would diagnose a mental illness. Sure. Great. That makes total sense. And let me, let me to ask you another follow-up to that, Brenda. So if this is not correct, certainly correct me if I'm wrong. It would seem that mental health is a little bit of that broad pool, if you will, or that baseline and almost like, you know, for my heart health for physically, yeah. you know, it's my exercise, it's my diet. It's, um, you know, all these, maybe my genetic factors, all these factors relate to my heart health, but then I could end up specifically out of that, if I don't take care of that, develop a heart disease. In yeah, some ways, mental health way. similar in that yeah. it could be that out of something that's struggling, you could develop a more specific illness. And we know that there are mm-hmm. mental illnesses that do, for a number of reasons, maybe come on someone from a chemical imbalance, a neuroscience issue, a brain injury, you know, come on very rapidly and specifically. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it would seem maybe it's out of those area of mental health that a more specific diagnosis or illness even develops. Is that a correct analogy you think, or is that? Yes, I agree. I think that's, that's a, that's a really good way of explaining that. And I think that's true. Like you said, there's sometimes there's factors where it's, it is just happening, right? It, It is happening. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that person didn't take care of themselves well enough or they, they didn't do that, that genetically it's, it's just happening. Mm-hmm. But yes, there is often the mental health struggle first, and then it begins to develop into that diagnosable gotcha. mental illness. Well, I think it's helpful to understand because today, as we talk about kind of this idea of prioritizing and improving your mental health, mm-hmm. certainly it's. It's, it's preventative somewhat. It's also relief giving to struggles that people are having. And, and we recognize there's, there's all different ways this could develop and, and things could offshoot from there. But I think that's today we want to focus on what's that kind of baseline area where, where people can get help, not deal with things as long as they might deal with them or or find some hope and relief earlier in the stage, maybe then versus later in the stage. So I think... Yeah. That's, that's what we're coming after. Second question, kind of following up on that. 
certainly, and this is a good thing. And I remember our last conversation with you, we talked a lot about how you had seen mental health treatment, mental illness treatment really grow in the church. There was an openness to it maybe today that there hasn't been in generations past. Right. Certainly your work's a part of even developing a greater openness with the churches you work with. But also it's become, I think, even coming out of the pandemic, almost much more in vogue to talk about mental health. Right. Certainly a lot of lot of talk on social media, a lot of talk right. just in the general media about it. The concern out of that is that while there's a lot of good coming out of that, there can also be a lot of false or misguided information. You know, I almost compare it to the the diet culture that's out there and a lot of the fads and stuff that's not proven and just people's kind of crazy ideas or sales gimmicks. So if we take that thought, how could someone discern between maybe what is helpful, what is valuable, what is really good for their mental health, and maybe what's unproven, unrealistic, maybe even non-medical? And how can they <clears throat> how can they avoid some of those gimmicks or fads maybe as they do try to help and focus on their mental health? Yes, it it is um, one of the things that scares me sometimes when I think people are getting their mental health information, you know, maybe from a TikTok or something. sure, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. And um, so, yes, we are really glad that people are talking about it more. We're glad that stigma is going down; it's out in the open. But you do have to be careful where you're getting your information. So for me, I mean, I'm just going to say tried and true places like maybe, you know, the National Institutes of Mental Health, you know, their websites, um, you know, NAMI, the National Science of uh, National Alliance of Mental Illness. You know, they put out some good information. Um, Mayo Clinic, uh, you know, that they're going to have fact checkings and and good information. So I'm just going to go old school and some really tried and true places. And it doesn't mean that I'm not glad that TikTok is talking about some of these things or we see something on Facebook. But yeah, my caution would be just be careful, find another source. And always, if you are looking at some kind of a treatment for yourself, make sure you're checking that out with your doctor with your therapist and you're not just saying, Oh, wow. You know, I saw this new book and they said that Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I can completely treat my ADHD, you know, (laughs) by changing my diet. You might, I don't know. You might. And I'm not slamming anyone who's done that, but could you also check that out? See what that would like, read some other resources, you know, anything like that. Um, And And I think, and, and, that's one of the reasons Stacy and I on the podcast, the Speak Out Loud podcast, I mean, we frequently say, hey, we're not therapists, we're not counselors. We have a journey and an experience, and it's out of our experience that we can kind of share our story. And that's one of the reasons, not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons we really do try to bring on a number of professionals that, that work in the area of mental health treatment, mm-hmm. licensed professional counselors, other experts. Um, because we want to hear from them and we want to give our audience an opportunity to hear from them as well as maybe just be encouraged to to know from our journey, Hey, I'm not the only one, right? Right. There's hope out there because there's others going through something similar. We want to caution people because at times we've seen the same thing. Maybe it's a a meme or a social media post or just some video on YouTube saying, well, if you take this supplement or add this into your diet, you can go off your, your medications or and that's just, I think, dangerous. And people oh, need yes. to really evaluate those things, talk through those things with their doctor, with their licensed counselor, 
and really get professional guidance in making those kind of decisions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I, I appreciate that. And I think the balance is certainly, hey, it's great that we're talking about it, but right. make sure we're also listening to and talking to the right people. Yeah. Right, right. And I, and I think you guys do do a great job of that. And I appreciate that. And so it's also helpful to me, though, because I remember um, we're finding new things out all the time. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one reason we do research, because we're we know more about the body. We know more about what things might work and help in treatment. So we do on one end. We want to know what's new. Mm-hmm. We want to know what might be a new development and something that's helpful. Right. And yet I also want to make sure that there really is research and some good science to back that up before I try that. So there's, there's both. I want to be excited about the new. I, I remember years ago hearing somebody talk about serotonin in the gut. This was several years ago that there were more receptors. Serotonin is one of the things that we need that helps us with our mood. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing somebody talk about that for the first time. And I said, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Everybody knows that those chemicals are in your brain. They're not in your gut. And I didn't, I don't know that I said that out loud, but I said it internally. I was like, well, that's, that's just dumb. (laughs) Well, lo and behold, right. That person had read the new research and they were right. There are receptors in our gut for those chemicals that help us. But I didn't know that yet. So I was a little behind. I'm caught up now. But. (laughs) But that's why it's both, right? We need to be open to what's new and might be helpful, but we need to be careful and make sure we're finding that out from good, reputable sources, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great word, Brenda. Appreciate that. Yeah, I, I've, some of the questions that we get at different times are pertaining to people's teenagers, and um, I just want to just kind of address that as a tag onto this question. And um, they'll say, how do we know if uh, our teenagers are just going through things? Mm. How do we know if it's anxiety or mental illness? Because so many times those two can kind of mask for one another um, what's going on. And sometimes at that, when we are asked that question, I, I always refer back to err on the safe side, go ahead and seek counseling, let them help you decipher what's actually going on. It's easier than assuming it's not something like that. Now, the great news would be, or the hopeful news, hey, you know what, this is just part of being a teenager, but when do you not need that support when it's available? Does that make sense, Brenda? I agree. I agree. And so sometimes when we're on the phone with somebody asking that, right, somebody's saying, you know, I'm noticing these things, I'm seeing these changes, you know, I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, okay, well, and I can just ask some screening type questions while I'm talking to them on the phone. And, mm-hmm. you know, I might be able to say, hey, it sounds like that this is leaning more towards kind of some normal yeah, they're on, they're in their room all the time, right? Some of that, that's kind of normal now. But if they start telling me some other things, okay, well, this happened. You know, we had this family change. We had this move. Somebody died. You know, and I said, okay, well, then, yeah, there's some other factors going on. Maybe we it would be helpful to take a look at that with somebody. But I think you're absolutely right. At least check it out. At yeah. least check it out and see. Thank you for answering that kind of as a side note, because I do get that question 
frequently. It's not just once here and there. It's people just going, you know what, with all these words, sometimes people are like, yeah, I I go to a counselor. I have anxiety, all these things, you know, and it's becoming so much of a pop word, like Doug was referring to a minute ago at the beginning of this, that I just wanted to have some clarification on making sure that we're even saying the right thing to people, because while we cannot be responsible for people's uh, mental health, we do want to be accurate in what we're even saying to do on that. Thank you. I I wanted to continue on with you, Brendan, just say, do you see mental health struggles or even crises come on people gradually? Or do you think that they can be sudden, both? What is your take on that? You know, I'm, I'm going to go with both. Um, right. Obviously, if there's a, a crisis that happens, you know, I can in that moment really yes. take a dive in my functioning. Okay. I mean, you know, if, if a tornado comes mm-hmm. and all of a sudden my house is gone, I'm right. going to have a dip in functioning. I, I'm not going to be able to handle the normal things that I normally would. So, so there might be a sudden dip in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also what we know of where things just keep piling on and maybe I'm not addressing some mental health issues and then it's more gradual. I, I think it can be both. And that's why we want to pay attention to both, right? They both matter and they both have an impact and we want to pay attention to both. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. I I feel like in my life, um, there are definite warning signs. So for either one, you know, I think my friends and family, the closest people in my community uh, have gotten to where they're like, okay, these are some signs that are going off for Stacy, so we know, okay, this is familiar. This is something that we need to pay attention to. And if you're possibly new to the more, you know, depression or anxiety or anything like that going on with you, um, it can take a little time for those to be known. You have to verbalize these things if you're the one who's struggling, suffering, or anything like that. Um, some things that we know for a factor, like I isolate, I become noncommittal, I stop responding to texts and calls, I struggle even more to eat than usual, I'm a talkative person, so I get really quiet. I feel apathetic and don't really have an opinion on things. So if you're with somebody, you know, that, you know, you see is gradually in my, in your life, um, starting to struggle with something, you might want to see if too, there's some commonalities like there, there are with me so that that way I don't, I can help have help heading it off with my counselor, but also when I leave the counseling setting um, to get some help in that. Does that make sense? Yes. And I mean, to me, when you name that, that's just an evidence of, you know, the recovery and the work that you've done Mm -hmm. because you are able to name those things Mm -hmm. and, and together, you know, you guys also pay attention to those. So that's a lot of what I want to try and do or what we want to try and do is help somebody, you know, what are the things that you didn't realize you were doing that's showing that maybe you're not doing so well? That's and right. at what point can we back up and go, oh, yeah, maybe that's when I should have done this or mm-hmm. I could have or next time I can. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. We want to help people have that insight and that awareness. Absolutely. We've even interviewed some of my very closest friends, and that's how I found some of these things out because okay. they were, Doug asked them, how do you know? When yeah. Stacy's gradually going down or when they're, you know, because the sudden ones 
are, you know, you're like, well, of course, of course right. we would be that way. I would be that upset too if someone in my family that was close to me passed away suddenly or something like that. But when you go to the more gradual things, those are sometimes been, have sometimes been my hardest to identify and the hardest falls. Um, it's not when necessarily we've expected my response with having depression and different things like that to be that way. It's been in the subtle ways, a slow wearing down, a fragility that's kind of starts to set in um, and everything. And those are when I have to go, okay, I'm going to rely on other people to give me feedback about that. Uh, Stacy, I'm noticing this. I'm noticing that. Or for me to in time when you have, like you said, Brenda gotten um, help on how to explain those things or some of the biggest clues, some of the subtle things even, to go ahead and, and verbalize those things to head things off faster, sooner than later. Um, it takes time. It does. It takes time. You have to use a lot of grace for the people in your lives. And also you, you need to um, also have grace for the person going through it. Uh, it's hard to put a word to something if you've never experienced it. And you and you're probably also scared. Yeah, yeah. I think that fear. I know for us, and we can think back now to a number of years ago when we started out on this journey. You know, and maybe it was me more than Stacy. The fear in me, I think, led me to probably procrastinate, for lack of a better way of describing it. And I think we, you know, Stacy was getting some help, but we probably didn't take enough action. I didn't support Stacy enough to take enough action until we hit a crisis mode. And we certainly, if you go back and listen to some of our, our pilot episodes and things where we really share our story, we hit a crisis. And it was out of that that, you know, we began with the recovery journey. But it took us a, a very scary, uh, intense crisis to get us there. And I think when we think about this, for a lot of people, if you can take some steps and actions before the crisis, before you reach crisis mode, you can head that off, as you were saying, Stace. And I think, too, you can you can maybe prevent some of those really scary moments that, that can happen. Please know that I I know that you were you had always seen me rebound and you yeah. had always seen me get up and be able to continue to function. It was one of these gradual things where it was happening and I just got to where I couldn't stand up anymore. It was just constant uh, trip up, trip up, trip up to where I couldn't continue on like that. And so, I mean, it's just a perfect example of us being able to tell somebody when you see these things happen, um, you know, be aware because you were absolutely doing your best. Um, it was just a hard, yeah. hard situation. And, uh, and I'd had a past of being able just to kind of overcome. And my body said, not anymore. And there's no way sometimes for people in our lives, no matter how close they are, to know that that is what's happening. Again, grace and mercy, but also just paying attention to people in your life and really hearing them when they do say things. We can be an example to both sides of that and, and the importance of that. I agree. Thank you, Stace. Yeah. Hey, this question is really for both of you. And so I think both of you can speak into this. Probably Stacy certainly experientially, uh, Brenda, from your perspective, I think it flows out of what we've just been talking about, too. A mental health crisis can feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. If you hit that stage, and I, we've talked to many people, it's like you just lose sight of things are ever going to change or get better. So I would ask you, Brenda, then to you out of your experience, too, Stacy, 
when you come to that place of feeling hopeless or Brenda, when someone comes to you in that hopeless state, what are maybe just some of the very first things you try to help them with to help them kind of see some hope, see, Hey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel for this. It's your life's not going to be like this forever. And maybe both of you kind of share from, from your experience and knowledge on that. Yeah. So for me, a lot of times it is speaking specifically that I have hope that I really do believe that if we do some practical steps, A, B, and C, that things can get better, um, that I've seen it get better, mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I even say this is, this is doable. This, this is doable. Mm-hmm. You can do this. We can do this. And let's line out these steps. Um, because it is really easy if you've been struggling for a while to, to become hopeless and somebody else has to have some hope for you. You just, you just don't have it. You don't have it. And um, so someone else has to have some hope for you. And I try and really speak that very emphatically. Um, You're not too far gone, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. This, this isn't so bad that it can't be helped Mm -hmm. Um, there. Well, let's get a plan. We can do this. And then just take, small practical steps. I never want somebody to be so overwhelmed. I know they're in an overwhelmed state as it is. Mm-hmm. So so we're going to do some practical steps. And and I've used what Stacy says, just the next right thing, mm-hmm. you know, just do the next right thing. And so I love that. So I've used that with people. So let's talk about what's the next right thing that you can do, the next best good thing for you that will help. And mm-hmm. whatever that person's situation is, we'll outline that. Um, it might be doing something that they haven't been doing at all. Sure. It might be increasing what they have been doing a little bit, but maybe sporadically, you know, so whatever it is for their case, mm-hmm. we're going to do something for some people. It might be taking something away, right? There might be something I'm doing that's detrimental. So how can we remove that and put something else that's beneficial in, in that, in its place, mm-hmm. but it will be some type of practical step that we can do. Yeah, that's so good because I can remember walking into counseling um, appointments and absolutely having tunnel vision. You're talking about tunnel vision, but I've had that tunnel vision before to where I can't see anything outside of that tunnel. And I've walked into a counseling appointment and my counselor said, has said very similar things of what you're saying, Brenda. And it's almost been like I've been holding my breath And I come up out of the water after holding my breath for so long and I gasp because I'm like, okay, there is, it's going to be okay. Because my mind is not telling me it's going to be okay. Not on any front in that tiny tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I don't even see the light. And so when a friend or a professional can bring that light into my tiny little span of vision at that time, I do, I gasp. It's almost just like I, sometimes I'll be in an appointment and I'll start to actually take a deep breath Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I haven't done that in, I don't know, days, you know, a deep, of course, shallow breathing, you know, is exhausting, but I don't even remember to take that deep breath because I feel so, uh, I just feel so down or so low and just so oppressed almost that that can happen. So those words are almost, they're totally freedom. We have hope. You, you, 
I will hold that hope. I will carry that hope for you because eventually you're going to be able to do that on your own. Just putting those words in front of somebody that you have seen work is just everything. Um, I sometimes have not been in a counseling situation and I've been outside of counseling. It's not time for an appointment. Maybe um, it wasn't a, a time that I could reach out to my counselor and I've found that family and friends have found some really key things that work with me because I am a wife, a mom, a friend. Um, you may you may not be in those situations yet, but I, I bet you you have a friend or a community, even if it's very small, that my friends have gotten to where they will say things like, Stacey, you've come so far. You've come so far because in that moment, I've forgotten all of that. It's gone. And... I could have lived in that 24 hours before, but when I get that low, whether it be suddenly or it is the gradual, and then I hit rock bottom, whether we knew it was coming or not, and they will come to me and they will say, you know, I was in the parking lot with a friend after a Bible study um, last year at this time, and I think she felt like she was talking me off of a ledge, and she probably was. I was at a real low point just last summer, and she said, Stacy, I want to remind you of how far you've come. That matters to me. Mm-hmm. Something like fight for my, um, I want to be able to fight for myself, but if I'm not there just yet, and if you're not there just yet, I have people in my life that I want to fight for, and that's my girls, that's Doug, my sister, my mom, my dad, there are people in my life that I want to fight for that in that moment do mean more to me than myself. And so it just, I want to get to that point and I'm working on it really hard to say, you know what, because I'm a child of God, I'm worth fighting for. If I didn't have any of these other things, I'm working real hard on that. But also for me to be reminded, I don't want to leave a legacy of taking my life and just going there, you know, with that or hurting myself with self-harm, cutting any of the things because I don't want to leave that legacy with my girls. And I want them to know that their mom is trying because I'm worth me trying, but also because they are worth having a mom that only dies because the Lord takes me home, not because I take my own life. That is hard. That is hard work for me. It's exhausting for me when I'm at that point um, to get out of that pit. And so those are just a, 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 one of, a couple of my friends will say, Stacy, go read your book. <laughs> you know, they'll say, you talk about this in it. And they'll kind of put that in my face and everything. And it's not a negative thing because how quickly when I'm in that bad, bad space, do I forget mm-hmm. all God's let us do? It's well, gone. I think things can just, you know, if you, of course, listening audience can't see my hands, but if you kind of have this image of, of kind of a wide screen, but your mind can just go very much in, in, into just almost a dot yeah. and all those other things that are the positive things that have happened, like, just like you said, how far you've come, all that can just go away. It's gone. And all yeah. you can see is that dot. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we use that phrase and talk about that, Brenda, about carrying hope. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, certainly I'm not perfect at that, but it's something that I, you know, has been part of my role as Stacy's husband, as, um, you know, her co-journeyer in this for these years, that more so times than others, but it's okay. I mean, I, I can carry hope. I can't carry this for Stacy. I can't take mental illness out of her mind. But there's a lot of times when maybe if I can't carry it, I can carry her. 
And I think we, that's why for someone that's walking this journey, if you're not married, it's it's important to stay in community with friends. If you have a supportive spouse, lean on them for supportive spouses or for parents and walking this with their kids, you know, um, you know, we've, if we've learned anything, it's by trial and error. It's by doing it the wrong way first and figuring out how to do it right the next mm-hmm. time, hopefully. So don't give up. Don't give in. And and just by being there, you can carry hope for your loved one. Mm-hmm. And that's so critical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we want to shift a little bit to trauma. Um, Brenda, um, if you um, are listening and you've experienced trauma, please please stay with us on this because so many people have and trauma doesn't know an age. And so it just doesn't really care of an, about an age. And so I noticed one thing when I was in treatment for eating disorder, um, that there was trauma just all over the place. Just, I mean, it was just seeping out of people. It was so rampant. And there were people in there that had had an eating disorder as a, as a result, possibly, or one of the parts of why they developed an eating disorder or how that happened. And I noticed the ones who were there within not super amount of time, I don't want to put a time limit on it, but a, not a very long time since their trauma had happened and since their eating disorder had developed, their progression and getting better looked different than mine. Now, I don't want to put it, again, no time limit on any of it. In my situation, I've struggled with eating disorder and trauma for for a very long time, for a very long time. And so when I look at getting better and getting well from the trauma or learning more tools from the trauma, mine has looked a lot different. Not impossible, just different. And so... When I was in with um, Dr. Godwin, one of the leading um, psychiatrists in the world, she said, Stacy, you didn't get here overnight. And I know we hear of that a lot, but she said, it's going to take a hot minute for you to get out of this. Mm-hmm. And so having said all of that, I know that it takes work and it takes asking God to help you in that work and in the healing But how does past trauma continue to impact our mental health in this present time? Yeah, and I I think it's important that you were talking about, you know, different people and when trauma happened and when they began treatment and that type of thing. Because, again, it's so very different, right? It's very Mm -hmm. individual. But we do know some things that we didn't know before, right? So even as I, I talked before there's more research, there's more information we have mm-hmm. about what trauma does to the brain. Mm-hmm. And then specifically, even when we look at trauma on a developing brain. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about trauma with a child, it does something different to the brain than someone who experienced maybe the trauma we're talking about as an adult, because their brain, mm-hmm. while we still have this, we talk about neuroplasticity, our brain is still able to change and grow. You know, mm-hmm. old dogs can learn new tricks. But it's still not the same as a developing brain, right? A young child's brain. So there are definitely going to be different ramifications of that Mm -hmm. as well. So that trauma from a child, that trauma in an adult versus Mm -hmm. trauma uh, in an adolescent versus an adult does look different in what Mm -hmm. it does to us. There are some things that are similar, you know, depending on whether our coping style was already developed or depending on whether we had a sense of resiliency already developed or not, or 
depending on whether there were other factors like addictions that were already in our home. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many other factors that come into play with how we're going to be able to handle that trauma. Mm-hmm. Did the trauma happen as a result of the people that were in my home or was it somebody that was outside of, mm-hmm. you know, so when I needed to process the trauma, could I, because I had a safe home or, or no, was home not safe. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different type of recovery if I didn't get to have a safety where I could process that trauma at home. So, so many different factors that we know about on our brain, which then impacts, impacts our body and our emotions, and then just our environmental factors. So it's a lot. But the good thing that we know about this is why I love the research on it. The good thing that we know about this now or know more is because then we can educate people that we're working with and Mm -hmm. hopefully take some of that, uh, some of the stigma or some of the self-blame because it's really, really typical, right, for people to have this guilt and this self-blame and to say, you know what, that's really common with trauma survivors. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not necessarily true. Sometimes that's a, that's a result of your trauma that you're blaming yourself Sure. Yeah. or, or that, you know, you see the world is very unsafe and it's hard for you to make new relationships. You know what? That's not just you being weird or that's mm-hmm. not just you, you know, having this, uh, uh, you have trust issues with the world. That's really normal for a trauma response. So when we know more about this, we can use it to educate, to hopefully take some of that mm. guilt or self-blame mm. down and say, hey, this is what we know. So now how can we make this better? How can we now address this as an issue? And hopefully how you can have a better understanding maybe of yourself and not blame yourself or look at yourself so much as just this broken, damaged person mm-hmm. but to be able to say, oh, wow, this is what I experienced. This is normal. And so here's how I can help recovery with that. It's all about giving hope, information and hope. That's right. That's absolutely right. And Brenda, these questions are so loaded and I just feel like you're helping them not be so overwhelming to where people just go, where do I even start? Where do I, why bother? I'm this, you know, and that's one of the reasons we do this podcast. It's one of the reasons why we love you on is because you do cast such a vision of hope. And it's not just us saying it, it's you as a professional saying that there is hope. And that just carries um, a different weight. Um, um, and we are just, I thank you so much. Having said that, um, when should someone seek counseling and therapy? I know that is kind of a, it's kind of vague, but yet, can you help us understand some perimeters with that? So as a general rule, I'm, I'm going to say if somebody is thinking about it, uh-huh. then they probably should. Okay. Um, yeah. So okay. as a general rule, um, if you're thinking about it, then yes. Just like you said with the people coming about the adolescents. Yes. Well, what do you think? Should I maybe like, you know what? Just check it out. And a good I say a reputable, a therapist with integrity, they will not keep you longer than you should be there, right? If you come come with Mm -hmm. an issue that maybe can be resolved and talked about in a couple of sessions because we get to know you and we do some tweaks and there's a couple of practical things that you and your family can do, we will not keep you longer than you should be there. Mm -hmm. So that's... A reputable person will not do that, right? That's <laughs> right. Um, so in general, that's what we're going to do. We want to help you B, 
be up and at them, you know, mm-hmm. without necessarily needing us. We love having an open door in a sense where people come back. Uh, sure. Like, hey, you need to check in about something? Come on back. Sure. Let's let's talk to you about a little bit. You know, you have something else pop up? Great. Come on in. We mm-hmm. never make anybody feel uncomfortable for coming back. But in general, if you're thinking about it, make an appointment, pop on in, let the person get to know you. I say we're probably going to need to deal, uh, to, to talk with you at least four to five times so mm-hmm. that we get to know you and know what's normal for you and your family, your situation. So we know what your patterns are like in general. Mm-hmm. And then we can see more about, okay, there is a, a real treatment plan. There's some real issues that we've got, or whether it's, you know, this seems to be more of a phase. Let's just tweak a couple of things to mm-hmm. make the phase easier. Like do yeah. some education to make the phase easier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm going to say. Now, if there truly are some difficulties functioning and maybe we haven't, cause it's hard to notice those. I'm not going to say the person's living in denial, you know, and, and making sure. it sure. Uh, like, Oh, they messed up. They missed it. But we all want to think that things will be okay. Right. right. I mean, especially if we are an optimistic. It'll be okay. It is just a fate. It's okay. It'll be okay. Um, and if it hasn't become okay, then I would say, then that's also the time to go okay. ahead and, yeah. and, and seek help. Those are, those are so good because I think we are, can sometimes just kind of bomb out by just going, you know what, I will be okay. When somebody else in your life can say that to you in the counseling situation, it just gives me all the more confidence in it. You know, it really, really does. I think in, the longer you wait, oftentimes the harder it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's there's a lot of evidence pointing towards it's just better to start earlier. Mm-hmm. It's better for you as the patient, the client, uh, that's that's really beneficial. Mm-hmm. You get better right. faster. So what's, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't, don't hesitate. Brenda, if there were one or two things you would recommend someone start doing or maybe really make sure is in place in their life to improve their mental health, what would those things be? Yeah. So right now, you know, one of the other things that might be faddish or that we see a lot is the whole self-care topic, right. self-care. Mm-hmm. And some we have to be careful because some people can only think that's about, you know, taking a bubble bath or, you know, getting your nails done. And, and it's so much more than that. Yeah. It's so much more. It can incorporate that, mm-hmm. but it's so much more. It's really paying attention, becoming a student of yourself. And like you were talking about, Stacey, you know, what, what are some things that I do when I'm not doing well? Well, we can all do that. What do I need to be doing that takes care of me? And, and I would say, learn what those are. But in general, we all need good sleep. Mm-hmm. We all need good sleep. So if you are struggling with sleep, which is common, if I am having a struggle, then I might need to do some simple things like making sure I'm going to bed at a regular time watching my screen time, watching what I'm listening to or watching before I go to bed. Um, There's a lot of articles on good websites that you can read about sleep hygiene, right? So how do you do that? And then maybe you might want to do some research and ask some doctor about good things, but sleep is key. Sleeping well, eating well, getting some kind of movement. Mm -hmm. And I know none of these things that I said sound like things that a therapist would say, but we have to get this in alignment first. And then the second part along with that 
would be doing some evaluation of do I need to be doing something different Mm -hmm. with some boundary setting and some relationships, some social aspects, because we're so we're over committing, we're over busy. And then that makes us overstressed. And none of us are good at that. None of us do well at that. And uh, so myself included, you know, that was one of the things my husband asked me to do on the way home from graduation in December. He said, you know, I think that you should think about, uh, say no to some things and just, just decompress after this whole thing. And I said, you know what, you were right. I had two commitments that were already on my calendar, some speaking things. And, um, so I said, after that, I'm going to say no to everything except for fun, like going to lunch with people and fun, but I'm going to say no to everything else until the end of April. And that was the best thing that I needed to do. I needed somebody outside of me to kind of notice that. And then I recognized the wisdom of that. And then I put that into place and it was so good for me. Mm-hmm. And so I know that if that's true for me, not saying that what's good for me is good for everybody, but I think as humans, if we just take a look and say, how do I need to manage what's healthy for me better? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll, we'll benefit from that. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering when we, we sent this question to you ahead of time and I, Certainly didn't want to preset your answer, but I was curious if you would talk about sleep because I have, you know, several months ago I was out of the blue just reading an article and um, just, I mean, I was reading an article that I just happened to come across and, and it was talking about sleep amongst teenagers today, particularly. But this, this author was saying by any way you slice it, by any measurement, today's generation of young people is the most sleep-deprived generation of young people, teenagers, the world has ever seen. In every measurement, young people in large, in general, Mm -hmm. are doing worse with their mental health than they've ever done by any measuring statistic. Mm -hmm. And so you can't separate those two facts. Those two facts go hand in hand. And I know for many people struggling with anxiety, that becomes kind of that double whammy, right? It's like, I'm anxious, I can't sleep, but then my lack of sleep compounds my anxiety. And just the whole, you almost, you've got to get somebody professionally um, to help you get outside of that loop or you're just going to constantly struggle because one feeds off the other. So I appreciate you sharing that. And it's also convicting to me because I'm, I know Stacy kind of elbows me and I'm like looking at my phone as I'm laying there trying to go to sleep, like, you got to get off the screen time. So I'm working yeah. on it. I'm not, yeah, I'm not great at it yet myself. <laughs> well, and one thing that you mentioned, you know, about doing things that are fun and things that are, you know, just not what you've been doing for the last few years with getting all of your education. One of the things that my friends, um, I feel like is a sign of health in a situation is for me, no matter what, what it is that I have said yes to, to show up, to be there. Um, with my history of, of struggling so much with different things, I would start to miss things and just not show up. And I think one of the most uh, reaffirming and reassuring things that we can do if you're the one who's struggling with the mental illness is be careful of what you say yes to, because um, obviously we can get overloaded. Anybody can. But also to just be where I say I'm going to be 
so that that way I am being a part of life, even if it's just one thing in that day. It's not that I have to go out to eat every single day, right? Because that's expensive. But um, just to show up when I say I'm going to be there so that my friends can know and my family can know, you know what? Mom is showing up for life. My friend is showing up for life. And it can just be the fun things at that time because I've been so hard on myself. I do need a reprieve. So that is part of my self-care is just to not only say yes to the hardest things for me, like appointments. My appointments are very hard, but good. I'm working, I'm having to work on a lot of things to get past some things. And so anyway, I'm just trying to be reliable with my history of kind of being iffy on that. Brenda, as we close this off today, you are just amazing. Um, We love you so much. You explain things so, so well. And uh, I I can remember you even doing that in college when we would go eat yogurt together, like we mentioned last session with, that we had with you last episode, is that you um, didn't freak out when I would tell you something. And you stayed at the table with me and you listened. And those are things that are reasons why I'm not surprised at all that you get to do what you do and you do it so well is because you, God was just, has just made you like this to do this. So I got to be a recipient of that even all those years ago. What is something that is giving you hope? This is something we love to ask all of our guests. So, you know, last night I was at a a ladies event and we were all sitting around. There were like eight of us at our table and um, they ask us the general, like, well, tell us a little bit about yourselves, right? Yeah. It's ladies that I really didn't know well. Sure. And some of them shared some uh, uh, more vulnerable things. So I, I just thought about the verse, John sixteen thirty three: in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so as I sat around and listened to these ladies and thought about my own life, right, we have all had hurts. We have all had hard things, Mm -hmm. but I was able to sit there and say, but God's been faithful to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so just looking at the past of how God's gotten us through Mm -hmm. continues to give me hope all the time, no matter what I see, no matter who I'm talking to, Mm -hmm. no matter what I'm experiencing in my own life, that's the hope I hold on to. He has done it before. He will do it again. This is what's so fantastic about God. I, this afternoon I was listening to a sermon a sharing time with Priscilla Shire. That's the verse she used, John 16, 33. And that's the exact verse I was going to say. And God had that on your heart also, because I think we can think, okay, life is not supposed to be like that. So what am I doing wrong? All we have to do is put two people in a room and you've got trouble. So, and sometimes I can be by myself and I've got trouble. So um, that is just so cool how God did that. But I wanted to, you know, just add to that with John sixteen thirty three that my struggle and suffering are no surprise to God and that he's here to comfort and help us focus on his hope. And so, yeah, that's just exactly what that verse tells us. He, he hasn't said, okay, be in this earth, be in this world, and you're going to have trouble, but I'm out. Peace out, people. He is saying, I am in there with you. And so that's just how faithful he is. And that's how close he is to us. But the times that I have invited him in, no matter how scared, upset, or because I am so scared and upset, 
he has never, ever gone, this is too much for me, Stacy. I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm not prepared to help you. That's what people can sometimes have to do because things are so overwhelming. And that's what we are. We're just people. But God has never left me alone on that bathroom floor with a tool to hurt myself. He has always um, been right there with me and not gone, Mm-mm. this is where I draw the line. He's just That's great. God. Thank you for sharing that. Thank mm-hmm. you for both of you sharing that. And that was definitely not pre-planned. That no, was no. that the Lord brought that to your hearts um, separately, but for this purpose, I think. Well, Brenda, as we wrap up, you're a hope giver to us. Yes. And you're a hope giver to so many others. Mm-hmm. And so we we thank you for sharing your time with us today. And mm-hmm. I think your 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 wisdom, your experience, mm-hmm. your knowledge, your expertise, all those things are really going to mean a lot to, to those that listen to this episode. Yeah, and um, I think it does the, to me. Yeah, so. <laughs> I know. And even though they may not know you, they may not know you personally, but you're a hope giver to them as well. So thank, thank you. you. Thank well, tell you. us real quick, how can people, if they're in the Metroplex or just won't even look you up online, how can they find you and find out more about what you do and, and your practice and how you help people? Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's an honor to be with you guys. I appreciate what you guys do so much. And mm-hmm. I, I do, I, I am a supporter of you guys because I, oh, I know. give we information out to, to people because I just know it's such a help. Um, they can find us elledgecounseling.com, um, E-L-L-E-D-G-E, elledgecounseling.com. And that's how you'll find us. That's okay. Perfect. And we'll put that information in the show notes and you can, you can find Brenda there and learn more about her as a resource or just some of the things that she does. And um, mm-hmm. uh, she's, she's a great help to so many others. Mm-hmm. If you've not yet checked it out, we would love to invite you to visit the new Speak Out Loud website, speakoutloud.me.me uh, is our website. And when we developed this over the summer and released it at the end of the summer, one of the things we were really wanting as we worked with our developer, who's done a tremendous job, is to create a one-stop shop for all yeah. things Speak Out Loud. Right. So a place you could go to find the podcast, get links to subscribe to the podcast, mm-hmm. a place you could go to learn more about Stacy's book, You Are Worth Saving, um, order the book, whether it be a hard copy, download the audio version of that book. If you'd like to connect with Stacy or, or me or both of us as a speaking resource for your group, your church, your audience, um, you can reach out to us and connect through the website. You can learn more about just what we do and why we created Speak Out Loud and what it's about. So then Stacy also does a, a blog with, with frequency that you can kind of along with reading her book, you can follow along her blog and, and learn more there, too. So we wanted a place where you could just tell folks one spot to go. And and that was it. And so speakoutloud.me is that spot. And uh, yeah. there you go. Brenda's Yay, looking it Brenda. up right now. So yeah. we'd love for you to check that out. The audiobook is read by me. It was not an easy project to do by any means, but I'm glad I got to be a part of that. I really, really am. And so I hope you'll enjoy that. The best way that we can get out information about our podcast is this. If you will leave a rating and a review, and if you will share it, word of mouth is the best thing. I've I've gotten into podcasts before and gone, wow, that is information I really need. We want to be on that list. We want to be information that you really need. The thing we want the most for you is something that is the only way that I personally am here today. And that is hope in the Lord. 
He has used people. He has used professionals, friends, my family to put keep the Lord in front of me and his hope in front of me. And that, that's how I'm here. A lot of hard work and God's mercy in, in helping me to do that hard work. Hey, and on social, you can find us Speak Out Loud on Facebook. So Speak Out Loud, Doug and Stacey Getzinger, but Speak Out Loud. And then on Instagram, at speakoutloud.me. So the same as the website, speakoutloud.me is our Instagram handle. So check us out all those places. We'd love for you to follow along. So we are thrilled that you've joined us today. We look forward to getting to share with you again just uh, our journey and also some of the great guests we have lined up for uh, the rest of this fall. So until next week, God bless you guys, and we'll see you then. Thanks, guys.